welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee, and it does have an owner. He just pulled in. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm one of your hosts, Trey Dedman, and I'm sitting across the table as I am every week. Pay no attention to the cookery at his throat, Mr. Shane Reeves. Oh, that. <laughs> I thought you would appreciate it. I, I did. So this is going to be an interesting podcast because all day... You're going to have to admit your hypocrisy multiple times. Well, all day I have been combining words together that don't match. Okay. I had a customer this morning that came in that was really, really intelligent, and he and I were communicating. Have you ever met with somebody who's really intelligent on your level, and no. you begin... <laughs> I, I know it's hard to get that low. Um, so, so you start communicating on a faster pace. Yes. And by the end of it, somebody walking by, it just sounds like gibberish to whine. Mm-hmm. And uh, so all day, my brain has been kind of set to that pace. So who knows what tonight's going to be like? Because usually, I would say I'm going to have a relaxing cigar. But introduce your cigar, then we'll talk uh, about right. mine. So I am going to go back to the well. Actually, I don't think I've had one of these on the um, on the podcast before. This is the Oliva Siri V. Uh, it was highly rated on the aficionado list this year, and it, and I realized that it uh, that it's one that I haven't really gone back to very often, despite the fact that I'm a big fan of it. Um, Full bodied, lots of spice, uh, Nicaraguan um, Nicaraguan puro. I'm smoking the Toro size, which is a 6x50. This is a cigar that gets so overshadowed by the Milanio. And, you know, the Siri V Milanio is an amazing cigar, but don't let that take away from how good the V is. Well, you know, a lot of times I would not acknowledge there is just a regular Series V. I just assumed the Series V was Milanio. I didn't really, it didn't ever really register, which I don't, I spend more time contemplating platypus than I do, you know, Oliva cigars. Right. Oh, I did misspeak, though. Uh, Ecuador Habano wrapper, so it's not a Nicaraguan Puro. Oh, okay. I was in the process of vamping while I pulled it up because I forgot to do it before I hit record. And so I thought I could get away with it. Good try. We'll give you we'll give you points for effort. All right, all right. Talk so, about this abomination in front of you. I'm not going to view it that way. So I am. <laughs> I'm just glad he didn't give me one. So our local Gurkha ambassador, Mr. Tom Petty, um, has been on me that I would like the new Gurkha Trianta series, and all because I've always said I've just never found a Gurkha that suits my palate. So he's decided to come a hurricane while we're here at the show. Um, He brought me a Gurkha Trianta. Now, to Mr. Petty's credit, he brought it in the 660. He brought it in the size I smoke. He spent the time to get it, and and I promised him that I would give this cigar a fair review on the show. I have never had a complaint about the construction of Gurkha. The construction of Gurkha has never been a big issue in my life. It's always, my complaint with Gurkha has always been blend and marketing. I've had some, I've had some construction issues because I used to smoke Gurkhas fairly regularly. When the Ghost came out, I actually loved that cigar. Then further, uh, further iterations of it didn't stand up to the quality of the first one, but I have actually had some some issues with their construction in the past. I've By and large, they're okay, though. But, now granted, the fact that I've never found a Gurkha that really suits my palate probably has limited the, the sample size as far as judging their construction. Right. And uh, so, this is a Nicaraguan cigar, and it's made at the Aganorsa Leaf Factory. I told you, I can't talk tonight. Um, the, it's an Ecuadorian wrapper. Nicaraguan Corojo 99 binder and Nicaraguan Criollo 98 filler. And all but the wrapper were grown by Aganorsa. Okay. So I like Aganorsa tobacco. Now, just touching the cigar, just filling the cigar up, it has a really smooth wrapper. You can feel a little oil in it. This one's properly humidified. It's been sitting in my locker since he gave it to me. Um, I've sniffed of it. Kind of smells like a Gurkha. 
but I'm going to come into this. Com- I hope this cigar I like. I'm predicting that on the. I'm predicting that it's going to be a five. So anything over a five is going to be a victory. Anything under a five is just going to kind of be there. Gotcha. But I've had to do so, a lot of prep work, really thinking about how to fairly judge this cigar tonight, and not just say it's a Gurkha. And all this has been there's been a lot of soul searching involved in smoking this cigar. I am going to be very interested to watch your face as you go through the various stages of this cigar as you get it lit, as you get about halfway through it. This is going to be interesting. Now I am curious if it turns out to be a seven. That's not going to happen. But let's say that it turned out to be a seven. Would you be man enough to admit that? Be, I'd be happy to. You know, so I, I just did the cold draw and got nothing. Um, but I would definitely, if this is a seven, I will call it a seven all day long. I'll be perfectly happy to do that. But and as I'll, a Gurkha, does it make it harder to reach that point for you? Um, no, because I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm giving it a fair shake. Mm. I'm being completely intellectually honest. I'm treating this just as if you had took the band off and brought it in and said, hey, Shane, I want you Try to smoke this. this cigar and tell me what you think tonight. Okay. That's how I'm treating it. I'm treating it with that level of, of unbias. I and see. All. Very important to me. Gotcha. Okay, well, so let's get into the show. We've got a couple of legislative updates for you guys this week, a couple of new releases, and then some other fun stuff along the way. Want to start out this week with some new releases. Those of you who follow us on Facebook and Instagram will have seen that on Monday, I went over to Casa de Monte Cristo here in Nashville and picked up the Herman's Batch from H. Upman. This is a new release that just came out. Um, I've got to say, as as you all know, I am a bit of a Upman fan. This was awesome. It was a six and a half, six and a quarter. I don't want to go quite so high. It was, it was so so good. Uh, Dominican cigar. It's already having issues, huh? Are you? You're, that's okay. That could have been atmospheric. Okay. His his nose was crinkled. He was well, wafting re- the smoke out from in front of his face. The way I was turned, the smoke was blowing right up my gotcha. nasal cavity, so I had to try to reorient. But that could happen with any cigar. Fair, fair enough. The Herman's Batch is made in the DR, uh, Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, Dominican binder and filler, and or no, Dominican binder and filler from the Dominican and Nicaragua Condega Nestle. So there's a lot going on here. Lots of different varieties of tobacco. It looks so rustic. It doesn't have that polished look to the wrapper. It's got kind of a pseudo pigtail on the cap. This thing smoked so well from start to finish. It lit up evenly. The draw was perfect. The flavor was a little spicy to begin with, then kind of mellowed out into some just uh, you, to the point where you could really taste that Habano wrapper. It was awesome. The best thing about it, too, is that uh, the 6x52 Toro, which is the size I got, retails for ten fifty. Not bad. Well, this is another example of what we've been talking about. Altadice really has their act together. Mm-hmm. Altadice is really putting stuff together. Um, and they're just creating a lot of really good product right now. Yeah. This comes out of uh, a further collaboration with Rafael Nadal, which who is responsible for the Grupo de Maestro series. We both are huge fans of that cigar. So I think it, it really speaks to that. Uh, how good a quality comes up when his hand is in the mix. Right. I am going to be distracted by you smoking that cigar this entire episode. <laughs> you are making faces. You are waving it around. You're trying to get something out of it, I think, is what's happening. Well, okay. So, having cut it and lit it, I've got nothing. I mean, it's not bad. It's not good. I've got nothing. It's just like smoking a straw. And is there anything worse? I yeah, mean, yeah, that's... Yeah. I'd I rather have a bad cigar than a nothing cigar. Well, I'm going to give it time, and I'm going to see if 
maybe as it warms up, some flavor develops. But as of right now, as of the first couple of puffs, I'm getting nothing. I mean, it's just a total nuke. Huh. No, I don't. And hearing you describe such a good cigar is really not making it any better. Well, we'll go. We'll go. We'll move on from this cigar to another cigar that was announced this week. Uh, that it may be good, maybe not. I don't know. I will never smoke it because of who it's associated with. But before we move on, I do want to say the Herman's Batch. It just shipped. I got it at an Altidus factory store, so I don't know if your local brick and mortar is going to have it yet. Definitely seek it out. It's it's worth looking for uh, when your local shop gets it in. By the way, couldn't have brought one for me. Couldn't have couldn't have prevailed upon our mutual friend. <laughs> or or did he give you? So two? Rocky Patel. So last week we were given two cigars by a generous yeah. rep, and I I, was I, not, I had to purchase this thing. I immediately divvied up the till and handed over to you. I'm just curious if I get up there and find out that there were two of these cigars given to you and none of them made it to me. I'm going to be very disappointed in you. I will I will tell you. <laughs> In all honesty, they didn't have it in a size that I thought you would like. They had a Robusto that was 5 by 54 which and a Lonsdale 65 by 42 I mean, like, they, had, they didn't have a size that really said shame. Right. If they had had it in, like, a, a 6 by 60 or even a 6 by you know, 56 or, or right. 4. Churchill. Yeah. Then I would have grabbed one for you. But they didn't have, they didn't have Shane sizes. Okay. Rocky Patel, because I don't feel like you're going to give this cigar a fair shake. Rocky Patel. I just said that. To launch the official smoke for the Cigar Smoking World Championship. Now, for those of you who haven't been in the cigar community for very long, when I was living down in Atlanta a few years ago, Rocky Patel had the reputation that Shane gives Gurkha. They fell on really hard times in terms of public opinion for being kind of one-note chords, not really doing anything, kind of being a punchline for just a mediocre cigar. I still view Rocky Patel that way. I don't know. I, I've had a, I don't even like the 50th, personally. It's just not my stick. The Super Lajero is decent, but I am not a Rocky fan. The so, fact that they have now paired up with the Cigar Smoking World Championships, I will smoke a Nat Sherman before I smoke another Rocky Patel. Philistine. So you would rather smoke a cigar and sponsor somebody who's contributing to the demise of cigars than nice, hardworking people? We've already discussed the fact that I don't believe that's what's happening. Okay, then, then Einstein. Please, why have they not sued the brains out of everybody that's saying they are? They've got the greatest defamation lawsuit in the history of law. It's not defamation. Okay, whatever. They could prove significant losses if it was not true that they came out in support of not having a premium cigar exemption. No, they would have a great. That that much is factual, but but to say that they did it in spite of their cigar division is is what's hearsay. They did, but but who cares? They did it. Why they did it is less important than the fact that they did it. They came out against the premium cigar exemption, which is horrific. Nobody should smoke a Nat Sherman under any condition. And all because they have they are the enemy. They are sponsoring against us. And all now I wouldn't vape before I smoke one, but I would definitely I definitely think they are the lowest of the low. And if they're not, please Nat Sherman defend yourself. The fact that they haven't defended themselves on any front means they're guilty. Not necessarily. Oh, definitely. So you're saying anybody that ever pleads the fifth is automatically protecting themselves because they're guilty? Sure, that's the way it works. No. Why else would you plead the fifth? If I, if I say to someone, um, any question, especially a lady, if I say... Here uh, we go, folks. <laughs> if I say, um, did you pet that dog? Oh, well, maybe that's a yes. That's not the same. If I say, did you pet that dog? No. Then that's a no. But, well, I'll plead the fifth. That's a yes. That's a positive affirmation. (laughs) That's that's your interpretation of it. 
But sometimes so questions are so idiotic that they don't bear a response, whether it's affirmative or negative, that it's just worth pleading the fifth. Hey, Nat Sherman, I'm asking you now, did you come out against the premium cigar exemption? Please, send me a note. By all means, send me a note. They will never send me a note because they didn't. They came out against the premium cigar exemption. But anyway, back to the... I can climb down off of my soapbox. Um, The Cigar Smoking World Championship line will consist of three sizes. The Mareva, 5 and an eighth by 42, Robusto, 5 by 50, and Toro, 6 by 52. Which is hilarious to me, considering the whole point behind the Cigar Smoking World Championships is that everybody smokes the same size, and it's usually like a petite Corona or something like that. I think the 5 and a half by 42 would probably be the closest to what they would smoke at the at the event. Look at the look at the price differential between those. Five and an eighth by forty two is eight seventy five. Five by fifty is nine seventy five and Toro six by fifty two is ten seventy five. A dollar difference? Yeah, a dollar difference per stick. That's that's a big difference. Well, so the feature the cigar features a Mexican wrapper, Nicaraguan binder with Honduran and Nicaraguan fillers. Um, the official size that will be smoked at the competition is the Mareva. Okay, that's what I thought. Five and an eighth by 42. But for those of us that want to just enjoy, you know, what are, what would you do if this was a good cigar? Would you still refuse to smoke it because they're smoking it at the Cigar Smoking World Championship? Would you deny yourself just on the principle of you don't like what it represents? Yeah. The chances that Rocky has made a cigar that is so good that despite who it's made by and what it's connected with, that I would still feel the compulsion to smoke it, uh, it, is just, those odds are too long to calculate. You know, I disagree with you on Rocky. There's so much Rocky that I do like. The Edge Sumatra is an excellent cigar, Um, especially for the money. I'm more than happy when a new cigar smoker is in the humidor and they're looking for something to smoke, but you can hardly go wrong putting one of the edge line in their hands. He shrugs his shoulders, ladies and gentlemen. We disagree. (laughs) We are always going to disagree. I don't like their cigars. And I I love the 50th. I enjoy, of course, the Super Lajero. Uh, I like their B-52, but it's really hard to get a hold of. You don't find it in many places unless you... I imagine that's one of those that's not sold in brick and mortars. The other thing about them is I feel like their sticks are way overpriced. With the exception of the Edge, I think all of their cigars are about $2 more expensive than they should be for the quality. And that that is a quick way to turn me off of a cigar company. Well, that's one of those things that matters to me quite a bit is value for dollar. So, you know, I declare cigars. The the best or worst thing I can say about a cigar is, is this box worthy? When I smoke a cigar, the ultimate praise to give a cigar is this is box worthy. Because that means I believe that in the course of 20 to 24 cigars, I will not tire of this blend. Yeah. I will say Rocky doesn't have anything box worthy for me. Mm-hmm. I will say I have not found a Rocky. That, and Rocky gives away some great giveaways at their, you know, their events and everything. But I, they just don't have a cigar that's box worthy right. for me. But they have a lot of cigars that are good every now and then <coughs> that I enjoy touching on and going back to and everything every now and then. But um, eh, I, I, I'd give this a shot. I wouldn't try to smoke it slow. I would smoke it the way. But in case you're interested, the Cigar Smoking World Championship dates... And all for the qualifiers, you know, listed as the qualifiers. Um, the the winners get a chance to compete in the U.S. Championship on July 17th in Pittsburgh. I'm not going to touch them all. I'm just going to touch the one close, couple closest to us. Burned by Rocky Patel in Naples. That'd be a pretty easy jump. Gun Club of Tennessee in Nashville on May 8th. And I, I didn't know you could smoke cigars at I the Gun either. Club of Tennessee, but seems like a good idea. Um, you know, smoke in at West Palm Beach and, of course, burn in Pennsylvania. So there will be some qualifiers. You can go to Aficionado and look up this cigar to get a complete list of the qualifiers for that. So, all right. So I'm still working on the Gurkha here. I'm still getting nothing. I'm, I'm now, you know, fairly decent. I've ashed it once. 
So I'm probably an inch and a quarter in. I'm still just not getting any flavor. I'm still just kind of, um, I, I'd almost wish it was bad. Right. Because, like I said, I would rather smoke a bad cigar than a nothing cigar. Yeah, I, I almost wish it was bad. I'm, I'm hoping, though, that what, it can warm up. What's really kind of disappointing about that, hearing it across the table, is the fact that it's got so much Aganorsa tobacco in it. Yeah. They, they grow some phenomenal tobacco, and the stuff that they blend in-house, we know they can, can really accomplish something great. How bad do your blenders have to be to take excellent tobacco and make it complete nothing? Yeah, to, well, perhaps they're buying the bottom of the Aganorsa crop. Perhaps. There is a possibility there, but I'm, I'm still holding out hope. I still believe it may come alive. What's the retail price on that stick? Um, on this particular stick, I'm looking right now. <laughs> You're going to love this. Um, I already know the answer. Let's see. Part of the anniversary limited edition humidor. And also they're fourteen fifty each in the humidor. And I'll fifteen dollars for the six and three quarter by fifty two, which is probably what I'm smoking here. Yeah. And I'll that it would be kind of hard for me to pull out fifteen dollars on this. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll but anyway. Holy cow, this place has picked up since in the last twenty minutes. It ha- and why is it when people see microphones they feel the need to speak at the top of their lungs? Right. And sit as close as possible. And sit as close as possible. It's like they have no concept that there's anything going on in a cigar yeah. shop well, other than that's our them. fault for recording in a public location. So we do have a couple of really interesting articles. We've gotten to about the first half of the show. Um, Trump released his budget this week that includes some changes to the way cigars are legislated. We want to talk about that. We've also got um, a really great article from uh, Ricochet that we're going to touch. So we're going to step away for a break real quick. We'll be back with that and more after this. Shane here with this week's Cigar Under 8. This week, I want to talk about a cigar I love, the Hoya de Nicaragua and Tano 1970. This is a great cigar. You know, we're going to talk about the Barn Smoker later on in the show, and this is a Drew Estate product. And this is a cigar that is always great. Whatever size, whatever Vitola, and I've had it in a bunch of different Vitolas, whatever Vitola that I've ever got it in, whatever condition it's ever been in, this is always just a workhorse, strong smoke. It's always going to feel wonderful. It's a Nicaraguan Puro, Nicaraguan binders and fillers. It does have a Criollo wrapper, but um, it's what Hoya does well and hits every time. It's very flavorful. It's incredibly full-bodied as well. Yeah. And And it's one that the flavor is balanced so well that the strength can sneak up on you. It can, but it's just, it's one of the greatest compliments I can give to a cigar is there's no bad time to smoke a Hoya de Nicaragua and Tano 1970. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from, he's a multi hump camel, Trey Dedman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> Again, when I'm when I'm running low on bump jokes, I go to song lyrics, and that's a great song from a group called Here Come the Mummies. Okay. Called I Am the Thing That Goes Bump in the Night. Absolutely wonderful song. And in it they mention a multi hump camel, you can you can use your imagination to draw all the different permeations. All, all, the, all the symbolism at play in that one. <laughs> yeah. Fair so enough. I figured tonight I would call you a multi hump camel. I'll take it. Take it for what it's worth. Tell me about your cigar. It is so. I <laughs> take it out of your yeah. mouth and tell me about your cigar tray. Well, you, you timed that about as poorly as possible. I appreciate that. Uh, so, <laughs> so I have been noticing over the past month or so that I haven't been sleeping really well at night. So I've stopped drinking coffee in the middle of the day as a way to try it. I mean, I drink so much coffee that for the most part, I feel like it doesn't really affect me all that much. But I was like, let's just see if it helps. So far, the data is not quite conclusive. So tonight, before we recorded, rather, I went to Starbucks rather than getting my usual coffee. I got tea. 
something about you know how a lot of cigar smokers move to their pipe in the winter. Right. I start drinking a lot more tea in the winter, and it's something that I, I just kind of came back to recently, and I'm really enjoying it. It's kind of a nightly ritual. Anyway, apparently at Starbucks, when you order a grande tea, they put two tea bags in it. And this is Earl Grey spicy black tea. Right. This thing is so spicy. And I don't, like, it, it's it's unbelievable how much that's carrying over into the cigar. So part of, I had the tea first and chose the cigar based on the fact that I wasn't drinking coffee tonight. And I want something a little bit mellower, a little bit more kind of nuanced in flavor. The Despite the fact that they really over-flavored the drink, the combination is awesome. Good tea is awfully, often underrated. Yes. I really like good tea. I have good tea at my office that when I'm sitting there drawing, I'll go brew me a cup. And it's like smoking a cigar. It's the ritual of getting out the tea bag and the water being the perfect temperature and the combination of the ritual as well. That's why I never get tea at Starbucks. I don't get coffee at Starbucks because I like the ritual. I do too. So one of the things that I've started doing is every night around 9 o'clock or so, because I keep decaf at at the house for for just this reason. About 9 o'clock, I turn on the electric kettle, and then once it clicks off, I put the tea, I put the saucer on top, let it steep for three minutes, add the little splash of milk, and it's just, like you say, it's the ritual. Because... It's it's a little TMI, but we're going there. So I have developed this over the course of the last... Like, I can't go to sleep without um, brushing my teeth. I just... I can't do it. So... But because that's always part of my, my bedtime routine, it's not... Every time I brush my teeth, now I have to go to the bathroom. Like, just because it's part of the routine. Right. So my... The idea for me with the tea is establishing that nighttime routine of... It's the decaf crossword puzzle... This is this is how my body says it's. We're getting ready to go to bed and try and wind that down. I've been sleeping a little bit better, but like I said, the jury's still out. But the way it's playing with this Siri V is just incredible. I'm one of those people that's just incredibly blessed. Um, I could lay down on this table right now, even with the circus going on, and go dead asleep and sleep all night, and it wouldn't bother me. I'm just one of those people. The insomnia has never affected me in any way, form, and or fashion. I just, you know, it's one of those things I don't find myself getting really tired until like 11 o'clock. And then by the time you get up to go to work, it's just, I, and, and we've learned that I need about 30 minutes to, to 45 minutes more sleep than my fiance does. And so it creates this, but one of my sticking points is, is going to bed at the same time. You know, hers is eating dinner together. And so between those two things, I end up not getting the sleep I need because <laughs> I stay up and wait for her to go to bed. See, my wife and I, we eat together. We never go to bed at the same time. You guys do not eat together. I was talking. I thought, this is so funny. So last week, I went over to Shane's house. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this? And he said, and, and I was good. he got a new 3D printer, and I was going to help him put it together. And he said, dinner will be done around 5 Anytime I've been over to Shane's house, a couple years ago, or about a year ago, we went over to record the podcast. We eat. Glenda was going to be home in 15 minutes. Ah, it doesn't matter. We go ahead and eat. I show up at 10 after 5 last Tuesday night. Not only had they already eaten, the plates were already in the sink. <laughs> hey, when dinner, when dinner is at 5, that means, you need, that means at 5 o'clock, the first prong of my fork reaches into the noodles. That's not, okay, it's 5 o'clock, let's eat, and we get up and we fix the last-minute details and we dip the food out. No. When I say we're eating at 5, I literally mean I am tasting the first morsel of food at 5 o'clock and 2 seconds. But but that's what's so funny is is I'm the same way. If I say dinner's at 5, dinner's at 5. But if I have invited someone over for dinner... <laughs> Hey, when you're late, you for, <laughs> when you're late, you forfeit all rights. You have when once you have decided to be late, you have forfeited all rights at my house. <laughs> but uh, well, we have solid rules at my place when it pertains to these things. That being said, I did appreciate the dinner, and uh, you know it was very good. And I appreciate. I just think it's so funny that you say that you two eat together because I have witnessed on multiple occasions. Not home. Nope. I'm not waiting on her. 
that would not fly in my house. Hey, when I call, when I tell her food is ready at this time, she I have left her at home twice because I said we're leaving at this time and she wasn't ready and I got in the truck and left. And I'll, the timetables in my life are very important. I, I cannot budge from these things. But anyway, so we're going to let's talk about the Ricochet article. Let's start about something fun before we start arguing with one another. All right. Anti-tobacco fanatics lie like a cheap rug. I love this. Okay, I think the article is misentitled, but I do like I do like the sentiment of the article, but the title... So the title says that the anti-tobacco fanatics lie. But really what it talks about is the cotton candy, um, you know, fruity alcohol options, and yet they're saying, oh yeah, vaping and cigars is after children. And uh, it's not really that they lie like a cheap rug. It's that they are absolutely um, hypocrites. Right. You know, oh, okay, I'm going to smoke my strawberry cherry mango or drink my cherry strawberry mango mimosa. But heaven forbid you light a menthol cigarette. Right. And all uh, that's that's the problem here. And all uh, but they do a great job in Ricochet. He really talks about, you know, he shows a set of drinks there. I feel like I'm having to talk louder because for some reason people are getting, getting louder. Yeah. Um, the drinks that they show, they show a whole rack of flavor-infused vodkas, flavor-infused gins, peanut butter whiskey, which is a crime that should never be committed. I agree. And they said, this is not an upscale, you know, hipster joint. This is just a dive bar. Right. Well, and that's, you know, the, the crux of the article is adults like flavors, too. Clearly. You know, we've got a huge, you know, underage drinking epidemic in this country, just as much as we do in underage smoking. It's not the flavors. Right. It's access. And it's, and it's because if you tell a kid not to do something, they are inherently going to want to do it 30 times stronger than they did before. Limiting adults' access to something that they want doesn't do anything to affect kids. Right. And the fact of the matter is, okay, if you're going to beat the drum, we're going to protect the children. Far more pe- more children drink than smoke. Exactly. Far more of the cotton candy vodka is consumed than the Tatiana Groovy Grape. Well, think about like when you were underage in college and, and you were drinking at parties and things, or at least around it. Because um, I know you didn't really drink much. I'll, I'll think about when normal people did that. I went to college from 6 to 10 at night. There was no drinking. I, I, but <laughs> I, I think back to those formative years and those types of, you know, what was on, you know, what was on the menu at those things? It was the hypnotic and the, the flavored vodka and the Malibu coconut rum. And it was, it was, it was the flavored stuff. That was what the kid, because when you're a kid, you don't appreciate bitter flavors like good beer and things like that. And so how do we make this? We want to get drunk. We want to drink until we pass out. How do we cover up the flavor of the alcohol? We put all this, you know, so it's just as much targeting on the alcohol side as it is on the tobacco side. Far more targeting. I agree. Especially because more children want to get a hold of alcohol than want to get a hold of cigarettes. Right. Or cigars especially. Yeah. They, they want to, t- to tame the taste of the, the burn of the alcohol. So they put a bunch of sugar in it. Yeah. And I, and I feel sorry for a generation that's going to grow up thinking that peanut butter whiskey is whiskey. Right. Thinking that Fireball is whiskey. Ugh. I mean, what is wrong with, why are we, what kind of a, think about the children. Come on, give them whiskey flavored whiskey. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, okay, let's talk about the other big, the other big um, piece of legislative news. I have a feeling you and I are going to fight on this more than we fought on anything else on the, on the show. It's going to be interesting because I'm, I'm interested to see what grounds you stand on because you've got two possible platforms you can take on this, and I, I will think much better of you if you take one as opposed to the other. Okay. So this is a, this is a test that you could very easily fail. From aficionado, Trump's budget would create new tobacco regulation agency. So in the new budget, he said, okay, FDA has no reason to be legislating tobacco. Let's create an agency that legislates tobacco. And uh, what is your stance? Okay, you're not even diving any further into that. In, that oh, you're just, I, I, you're can di- I can dive into I, my I thought you were going to go a little bit further. Okay, so 
This is a guy who campaigned and rallied his base around the fact that government is too big and too in our lives and, and too overreaching. And yet, you know, and they, they talk about his predecessor and anybody who opposes him as being socialist and being in favor of big government. And what he's doing is making government bigger. How is he making government he's bigger? He's adding more agency. No, if he was saying, I'm creating a tobacco agency, but I'm not taking anything away from the FDA, then he's making it bigger. But if he's, he's not slicing taking- off of the FDA, which is doing it poorly, and creating a, a form of government that does it well, but why he's not, would you, that's not making bigger government. But he's not taking from their budget. He's not firing people that work for the FDA. He's just taking this legislative or this regulatory power out of their purview. So he's not doing anything to shrink the FDA or make that department smaller in terms of expenditure or, you know, manpower. He's just going over here and creating this whole new division of the government that has no business being created, especially when we already have a division of the government that has tobacco in the name. So, okay, that's the Bureau of Tobacco, Alcohol, and Firearms. ATF, yeah. ATF. And And I'm all for that. I'm all for not creating it, but I am also for pulling power away from the FDA. The FDA I, I has no too. business in this. I, I agree with that completely. And this is the problem. Nobody wants to talk to talk about. They want to start everything with Trump is lousy, Trump is bad, Trump is evil, and then try to make a case. No, make a case, and then let me decide whether or not Trump is evil. The case is the FDA has no business in cigars. There is really no business at all. I think a a tobacco form of government that will address the issues, that will understand the difference in vaping, cigars, cigarettes, and is which, a good thing overall. And which of his kids is going to head this department? Don't matter to me. If they're as good as their dad is, I'd love to have them. He's done a great job. Low unemployment, record high budgets. I mean, everything is coming up roses. You realize record high budget's not a good thing, right? Budget at my house is a rec- is at a record high right now, thanks to not having to pay so many tra- taxes because of the number of things he did for me in that respect. Fair enough. And I'll, so let's not assault. But, but if this article had come out, and this is what I want to know from everybody, if this article had not come out from Trump, if it, if this article didn't start with the words "President Trump's budget," if this come out with "new budget proposed to create a tobacco regulation bureau." Would people have the amount of animosity at it, or is everybody, are so many people locked in on, I'm going to hate anything Trump does, that they don't give the concept a chance? No, because because the biggest, I, I can't speak for everybody, obviously, um, but the the biggest the biggest sticking point for me is the fact of is the creation of more governmental bodies. I am not in favor of that at all. Okay, do you think the FDA can do it well? No. Do you think the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms could do it well? Because if they could, they would have in the many years prior. We don't know what they we don't know what they have to say on the matter because it's been it was taken out of their hands back in two thousand and nine. And this is a proposal. Everything was well and good before the FDA got involved in two thousand and nine. Suffice to say, the ATF probably would do a fine job because they did before. It, this all became an issue. That's like saying everything was well and good with buggy whip manufacturers before the car come out. How the world, so? The world changes. Okay. From 2009 to 2020 is 11 years. Imagine the amount of stuff that changes in 11 years. So you're saying if it had been left to the ATF, we would have been still in the same position? I don't know. I don't either. I'm not, but, but I'm, I'm the saying... The fact of the matter is I do think it's a good idea that, okay... Obviously, this is this is Trump seeing through the FDA, and the FDA is after a cash grab here, and he's saying no. Let's make, let's put together a firm because I guarantee you, every time he calls the FDA and asks a question, the answer he gets is, "Well, we're working on is xylitol going to get improved, and we're working on, you know, keeping um, Ebola out of the chicken, and we're working on this, this, and this, and this, and and it's a statement because they made the statement. Oh yeah, don't worry about cigars; they're our lowest priority. When they said cigars are our lowest priority, this is the only move that made sense. But you're, you, you are one of the people that, more than anybody else I know, doesn't agree or appreciate government regulation in your life. Why do we even need a bureau over tobacco? 
Why do we even need this? Somebody's got to arbitrate. It's just like when you have a divorce. Somebody's got to arbitrate. And all. And so, since the anti-smoking nuts are all out there, oh no, they're trying to kill my children with Gurkha, um, you've got to have somebody between the two arguing parents here. Those of us that want to smoke cigars and think it's our right and have no problem, and those of the that are after cigars, cigarettes, and would love to see all their kids drinking cotton candy, vodka, and smoking marijuana. Further, we have to have we have to have somebody to regulate. So if we have to have somebody, let's let's do it right. Let's not make it part of a purview of a, a gigantic. The same people trying to approve heart medication now trying to approve tobacco. That's insane. Okay, but at the same time, what guarantee do you have that this group is going to be any better than the FDA? None. This is not a win for the cigar industry. Have you ever got a guarantee from any group that was But formed? that's my point. Everyone's calling this a huge win for the cigar industry because we're getting the FDA out of our back pocket, potentially. this I mean, the budget still has to go for review in front of the Congress, uh, the House and the Senate. But there's no guarantee that this is going to be better. It could end up being worse. This is Stop celebrating this as a win when it's just a very preliminary thing. Okay, FDA has clearly stated their goals and purposes is to regulate the brains out of the tobacco industry. They've clearly stated their goals. This company that is proposed, this segment of government that is proposed, has not had a chance to make their statement. So to condemn them before they've even had a chance, before they've even talked about what part of the budget, okay, what are going to be the powers of this? I, I condemn them as an extension of government that's unnecessary, and but... I don't condemn them for any actions, but what I do condemn are the people celebrating this as a win for the exact reason you're saying you can't condemn, because we don't know what it's going to look like. Okay, but if we go into this, if you go into a job knowing you're going to hate your boss, what's the chances of you being successful at that job? Why would you take a job if you know you're going to hate your boss? Well, people do it all the time. But if you go into a job, because that's what this is, you go into a job saying, I'm expecting the best out of these people. You will always get a better return in life. So to say, this is not a win for the cigar industries, this is making bigger government, this is going to turn into a mess, is not a fair assumption. But the fact that you hate big government, and pretty much all of the president's base hates big government, how do you not see that aspect of this? Because like, he's like, taken, away from, taken away from one and taking the gun out of the kid's hands and putting it into an experienced gun owner's hand is not making more gun violence. But we don't know that he's putting it... In, it could be just another kid he's giving it to. We don't it know that be. it's going to be an experience. That's my point. But why don't we look... If you expect the best out of life, you tend to get it. If you expect that they're going to create a tobacco association that's going to say, okay, look here at the statistics. Cigarettes are what causes the cancers and the diseases and the death. Vaping is what causes kids to be addicted to cigarettes. Cigars are enjoyed by adults that know what they're doing. That's so basic logic. How could they not come to those conclusions? But your default position is always that the government does everything they do very, very poorly. You hate the government being in charge of anything. The DMV sucks. The post office sucks. You don't want them involved in your health care because you know that's going to suck. So... Any, after the show, most weeks, we end up arguing over universal health care. Sure. And it's because you believe that everything the government touches, they do poorly. Yet, for some reason, you're sitting here looking at this and saying, no, I think they're going to do a good job. I how hope they're going to do a good job. How can you not see the cognitive dissonance in your, in your stance on that, though? Like, and, and that's my point, is so many of the people that constantly talk about what a bad job the, the government does at everything they do... Cigar smokers, by and large, are very conservative, mostly vote Republican. Successful people. God, this is going to be the last episode <laughs> of the Cigarcast ever. So, well, uh, well, now, is there not a higher degree of successful people in the cigar lounge than anywhere else you go? Yes, but and I don't like there's a higher like degree to, I, of conservative people? Is there not a connection there to be made? Correla correlation <laughs> does not equal causation. My point is on every other issue. But you're, you're so blinded by your hatred for the FDA that you're assuming that this one group is somehow going to do something good for you. I'm, I'm all for taking an optimistic point of view. I really am. But, but the fact that everybody is just... Just like you said, if this hadn't said President Trump is the first two words, how many people would look at it honestly? In the same token, 
how many people, if this didn't say President Trump, wouldn't immediately say it's a good thing? Oh, I wouldn't. Because I'm intellectually honest. I'm smoking a Gurkha for crying out loud. Don't talk to me about being able to be an unbiased judge. Um, I've just given you several (laughs) examples of how you're not being biased on this. This is not making bigger government. This is taking away from the FDA, who couldn't do a worse job. This 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 new segment of the government, the chances they could do a worse job than the FDA have got to be super slim. The opportunity, because the FDA has done the worst job in the history of tobacco. Since the first tobacco seed was grown by some caveman somewhere, nobody has treated tobacco worse than the FDA. So it would be a tall order. They would have to work harder to screw this up than they will to do it well. But don't don't underestimate the power of stupid people in large groups. By your own admission, everything the government touches, they do poorly. Okay, but give, we're not given the choice of nothing or this. We're given the choice of this or the FDA. Which would you rather have? The unknown quantity or the, what's already but, proven but why, they're the worst possible? But why possible? create something new and further expand the government and, and the need for higher taxes and, and more spending when we've got, we've got the ATF or at least set out provisions that shrinks the FDA's budget as a result of this. Nothing that I've read on this, I've read several articles, and I actually have the budget pulled up. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. I have not seen anything indicating that he's pulling funding for the FDA to create this. It just says that he's taking the power away from them. And and I agree. I agree this could go wrong. But... I applaud him for doing something other than just letting the FDA run roughshod over the cigar industry. Why not just champion the exemption? I'm all for it. That that wouldn't require a new governmental agency as a result of it. Here's why. Because if it come out, Trump Trump backs the cigar exemption, everybody would start yelling because they all hate Trump. Except that as much as I hate to admit this, the day of the impeachment hearing, his approval rating was at an all-time high. So if ever So if ever he could get away with something like that, it's now. Ever, but the impeachment hearing was not about impeachment. The impeachment hearing was, we, we, are at, we want to try to get Trump something. We are at 24 minutes in the second half of the show. I don't have time to get into that, <laughs> and I really don't think our listeners will appreciate it either. Uh, <laughs> do you want to talk about the barn smoker schedule before we have to wrap it up tonight? All right. Let's talk about the barn smoker schedule. <laughs> and I'll pl- oh. Please, please, message Trey. Tell him he's wrong. Anyway, coming so Drew But is, understand that if I see Trump Train 2020 on your Facebook profile when you send me that message, I'm not reading it. <laughs> Drew Estate Barn Smoker dates announced and ticket sales for 2020. So Drew Estate, they've announced the five barn smokers. And all uh, they do the Florida, the Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Kentucky, and Louisiana. The um I won't go through the dates. Go to Aficionado or Cigar Journal, Aficionado, anywhere will tell you the dates. Or you can just go to barnsmoker.com. And uh, now they did something different with the pricing this year. In the past, it's always been a $100 ticket and you get the gift bag. Now, if you want the gift bag, you got to pay for a $150 ticket. So you could conceivably go and not get the gift bag. Why? Yeah. I mean, that seems to me to be a foolish option. Now, I guess if you... That wasn't in the article. Is that on their website? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've already looked into ticket pricing and everything like that, because I do enjoy the Kentucky Barn Smoker. I don't know if I'm going this year, because I kind of feel like I've been three times, and all three times were the same thing. Yeah. It's... once Once you've seen it and experienced it... Now, but you have been to the Florida one as well as the Kentucky one. Are they... Are they that much similar? They are. You come in, you you smoke for a little while, you talk to a bunch of good people, you go on the tour of the farm, you come back in, you have dinner, you smoke for a little while longer, and then you go home. And they yeah. draw for the prizes and you go home. It's um, it's a lot of fun. It's a fun hearth. It really is. But I kind of feel like I've been there, done that. Yeah. Is that? I don't know. I don't know if that's a... Was it two years ago we went to the one in Hopkinsville together? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, and I'm not as big a Drew Estate fan as you are. I do like their stuff, and I, I enjoyed the cigars I got out of the, the goodie bag that we got. But I kind of feel the same way. I feel like it's kind of a once and done. Yeah, it's, it was fun. I've enjoyed going the last couple of years. Um, I would probably go back to the Florida one just because it was in such a beautiful location. It was a lot of fun. 
and I haven't been to the Louisiana one yet, and I would like to go down there to Convent, Louisiana. Uh, the ones up north ain't that interesting to me, but, the, you know, the, the Florida and Louisiana I would definitely like to go ahead and go to, but it kind of is the same format. I would like to see them come out with, okay, this year we're going to do something new and kind of switch it up. I don't know. Is I don't know if that's the right attitude for me to be taking toward that. Yeah, I'm, I don't really know either. I mean, I don't know. But there there is something to be said for it does sell out every year. So you not buying a ticket gives the opportunity for somebody who's never been. Right. Gives the opportunity for somebody who's never been to, ha- to get to go. Yeah. And also, I definitely can't argue with that. So, anyway, all right, let's wrap it up. Give me the give me your view on the Oliva V. Five and a half. Okay, I wanted to like it. I really did. I really like Tom. Tom does a really good job for Gurkha, and all he works very hard. He did go to the trouble to get me this cigar, but it's a three. I mean, it's just bare. It's. Yeah, it's just a three. I mean, it's just, there's nothing to it. There's no flavor here. There's no complexity. There's no depth. There's not even something not to like. It's just a total null. I mean, I've got about a third of a cigar left, and I'll probably throw it in the ashtray when we get off and go get a good cigar because it's just absolutely a nothing. And I I really wanted to like it. I really wanted to come out and tell everybody, finally, Gurkha's made a cigar I like. Right. And all, because I, I like Tom and I like all that stuff. But I'm in an intellectually honest environment, I've got to say, it's it's just nothing. There's just, I mean, I've been sitting here smoking it for an hour, and I'm no better off than I was from the moment I started. Yeah. And I, I, I actually would have been happier if it had been bad. If it had just tasted bad, I would have been a little happier because I would have at least felt like, okay, they did something. Bit. Yeah, exactly. And all this do-nothing is worse to me than doing it poorly. I agree. I completely agree. And all, But anyway, how do they get hold of us, Trey? He can tell you you're wrong. You can shoot us an email at info at cigarcast.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash thecigarcast and Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening this week. And until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. 